Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. Dak Prescott could miss two months adding injury to insult for the Cowboys. Patrick Mahomes apparently doesn't miss Tyreek Hill. The Vikings showed us why what's on paper means nothing on the field. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat down the Dallas Cowboys 19 3 on Sunday night football. But the bigger news coming out of Dallas Dak Prescott is going to need surgery on his throwing hand. It was reported by NFL media that it was six to eight weeks potentially. We will see what the timeline is here in the next few days. Joining me now from uh, Dallas, Isaiah Stanback, Super Bowl champion Isaiah Stanback, our NFL insider. And Isaiah, this was a game that already portended ominous things for the Dallas Cowboys, and now you lose your quarterback. How do you hold this thing together in Dallas? Well, the the quick answer is you don't. Uh, things if if you didn't already feel that things were melting down in Dallas, that they were already off to a really rough start, that they looked like a team that had no preseason. Um, all these things now are compounded with the fact that Dak Prescott, their leader, their QB one, their forty million dollar man, it will no longer be a part or be a, uh, able to compete for them over the next most likely six to eight weeks uh, with what apparently is a thumb injury to his throwing hand. I mean, you can see it on the sideline when he was talking to the head uh, surgeon slash doctor for Dallas Cowboys. And he asked him, Dr. Cooper, you know, can you grip the ball? And Dak shook his head. No, you knew before even the report came out, I saw that and I knew that that was not a good sign. And we've seen this before with quarterbacks. We saw this a couple of years back with Russell Wilson. Uh, You know, obviously it may or may or may may not be the same injury, but anytime you start talking about ligaments um, in the hand and quarterbacks in their throwing hand, it's never good news. So for the Cowboys, where do you go from here? And if you're Jerry Jones, how do you evaluate this team moving forward? Because this felt like a Super Bowl or bust kind of season. Jerry has said um, things to that effect. And so if you're if your ownership, what are you looking for here? Honestly, I don't know what you do. This is the worst case scenario. These guys were already over trying to overcome a lot of different forms of adversity from this, this offseason alone. I mean, you had... You know, James Washington, who you brought in as a free agent, he went down. You have Michael Gallup that you're trying to rehab, that you that you opted to keep off of Pup in IR. You're still trying to nurse him back to health. So you're without two of your top three receivers. You have a C.D. Lamb that you are still trying to see, is he a re- truly a number one receiver, even though we've put him at the number one on depth chart. We saw today that he had two receptions for 29 yards. It's not indicative of a number one receiver, nor did he show the body language and leadership qualities of a number one. Um, now, all of a sudden, you have Tyron, you know, Tyron Smith, who was your all pro, you know, multiple all pro left tackle. He went down in a practice, you know, prior to the season kickoff. So you take your left guard, who was your first round draft pick at Tyler Smith, bump him out the left tackle to try to fulfill a role, sign, you know, Mr. Peters, uh, all, you know, 40 year old left tackle. And now you're going to try to put him at the guard position. Oh, and by the way, your left guard, who's a starter, he got rolled up on in today's game. 
there's so many moving parts right now for the Dallas Cowboys. The strength of their team is the defense. That's something that you haven't been able to say about them in a long time. They actually held up really well tonight. Um, first five possessions were Tampa Bay. They were they were forced to kick field goals. Um, but you can't expect this defense over the next six to eight weeks until Dak comes back um, to, to hold things down in that manner. It's just not possible. And you definitely can't expect Cooper Rush to win you six to eight ball games. And making matters worse for the Cowboys. Washington, got to win today. Philly, got to win today. And New York, somewhat miraculously, got a win today. I know it's just one week, but all of a sudden, the NFC East looks even more wide open than we thought it would because maybe Washington and New York are a little bit better than we thought. You're absolutely correct. I mean, Dallas is the only team in the NFC East that decided to not get a victory tonight. <laughs> Uh, and that's that's not good news because you look at a Washington team that, you know, most people kind of look down upon because of their their quarterback, Carson Wentz. Well, he somehow somehow shows up. Um, then you got the New York Giants that they find a way to pull something out. And then the Philadelphia Eagles, who are the favorite in the NFC East this year, these guys actually look like they should be the favorite. So those other three teams that you're going to be competing with to try to get to the playoffs. Um, now those guys actually look like they're competitors and you don't have a way to be competitive. So it's not looking very good, especially with uh, with the Super Bowl appearing Cincinnati Bengals uh, coming off of a loss and coming off of um, and coming, you know, coming into Dallas Cowboys arena um, or, you know, AT&T Stadium in Dallas next week. It's, it's not looking good at all. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first list. Coming up, Tyree Kill, not missed in Kansas City after all. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all of your gambling needs. Let's look at some Monday night football lines. The Denver Broncos favored on the road over the Seattle Seahawks. Bet Online has the Broncos minus six and a half. Bet Online has the Broncos total points over under at 24 and a half. And in his first game as a quarterback of the Broncos, Bet Online has Russell Wilson's passing over under. Set at 255 and a half. Bet online where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Pittsburgh Steelers pulled out a huge road victory in week one over the Cincinnati Bengals, but may have some questions to answer about the rest of the season with a key injury. Your Pittsburgh Steelers got a huge win, 23-20 in overtime at the buzzer. Chris Boswell field goal traveling 53 yards against the Cincinnati Bengals. They go 1-0 on the season in a huge way. My biggest takeaway, I'm Chris Carter, the Locked On Steelers podcast. This is your quick hit, Locked On Now. The biggest takeaway, takeaway, y'all, this defense is ridiculous. Now, yes, we got to see what's up with TJ Watt. It's believed that he may have torn his peck. If he is, that looks like a maybe season-long injury. But this was a team effort from the defense. Alex Highsmith got three sacks. Minka Fitzpatrick had the pick six, 14 tackles, and a blocked extra point that kept the team alive. This was just a true team win at all costs. Now, does, did they, did they, in doing so, did they cost themselves the season and not cost themselves? Is the injury to C.J. Watt season ending? We're going to find out. Uh, but there's a lot to break down from this game. I'm Chris Carter, Blockdown Steelers podcast. Man, it's crazy. That was uh, just the, one of the craziest roller coasters we're on. I'll have a lot more for you on the full episode of the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Stay tuned on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, Odyssey, or anywhere. Nebraska fired football coach Scott Frost on Sunday. The move comes one day after a 45 to 42 home loss to Georgia Southern in what had become an untenable situation for the Huskers. The one and two Nebraska program was a three touchdown favorite. 
Associate head coach Mickey Joseph will take over for the rest of the season. Nebraska hosts Oklahoma on Saturday. Vice Chancellor for Athletics Trev Albert said the goal moving forward with both interim coach Joseph and into the future is to stop looking at the past and focus on what needs to be done to win. Speaking of the college, gridiron the rankings got quite the shakeup. Georgia leapfrogged Alabama for the number one spot. The Bulldogs haven't allowed a touchdown. Yet while the Crimson Tide squeaked by a Longhorns team, they were favored by three touchdowns against. The top 10 upheaval continued as Notre Dame dropped out of the top 25 completely for the first time since 2017 after they lost to Marshall. Texas A&M fell from 5 to 24 after they lost to Appalachian State. Meanwhile, USC jumped up to seven, their highest ranking in five years, and Kentucky climbed to number nine, their highest ranking since 2007 after their stunning win over Florida. And on the diamond, Julio Rodriguez and Eugenio Suarez delivered the Seattle Mariners a heroic win over the Atlanta Braves. Oh, this baseball team is going to take so many years off of my life the next month. This is Tidane Gonzalez, host of the Locked On Mariners podcast. And the Mariners went from potentially having their most deflating loss of the entire year to having their most exhilarating win of the year in about 15 or so minutes time. They blow a 6-1 to lead and go into the bottom of the ninth down 7-6 to to the defending champion Braves. Facing Kenley Jansen, one of the most decorated closers in baseball. And Julio Rodriguez and Eugenio Suarez come through with two insanely clutch home runs, solo home runs, to tie this game and eventually win this game, stunning the Braves and stealing a series victory after... It seemed that the Braves had stolen a series of victory. We're going to be covering this game on the Locked On Mariners podcast. Check us out on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you then. Peace. Here is another story you need to know. Tyreek Hill, more like Tyreek who? Kansas City Chiefs 44, Arizona Cardinals 21, Patrick Mahomes 30 of 39 for 365 touchdowns and a passer rating that would make you blush. Joining me now from Locked On Chiefs, Chris Clark. And Chris, this was a beatdown. It was a bit surprising. We don't expect anyone to just walk into the season performing like this, especially not a team that just lost one of the best receivers in the league. How did they do it? They moved the ball around. Uh, you look at, what, 10 different targets, I think, for Mahomes in this game. Uh, I think nine had catches. Uh, the 10th got really close. They have so many different weapons at so many different levels. Uh, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire got two touchdown catches. I mean, who saw that coming in week one? Uh, he has not been effective in the passing game in the past couple of seasons, and he was effective today. And then you look at Kansas City being able to run the ball. They had four players that went over 18 yards on rushes, and they didn't have – I think they had five all of last season, and they had four today. Wow. Offensively, in terms of the pass catchers, you mentioned 10 targets and Travis Kelsey right there at the top. There was some question that without Tyreek Hill, would they be able to get the ball to Travis Kelsey as effectively? Question answered, it sounds like. (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think think that you look at what Travis Kelsey brings to the team and he's taken the young tight ends that they have in this roster with him with Jody Fortson and Noah Gray, and they both made strides. They, both of them did things 
that is great to see from your you know second and third tight ends. And then you look at the wide receivers. I mean, Juju had a great game. I know he had that fumble early, late in the first half, uh, but I will look overlook that because the defense made a great play and they were paid to make those plays as well. Uh, six catches going into halftime for 80 yards. I think that's a great day for Juju. And then you look at MPS, uh, he had a couple of catches and a couple of big third down catches, and then Hardman and Sky Moore. I mean, you just name him, and they were all involved in this game. Yeah, you look at the top producers in terms of yardage in this game. It's Travis Kelsey, and three of the next four guys are new guys. Juju Smith-Schuster had 79 yards. MBS, who you mentioned, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, had 44, and Sky Moore had just the one catch, but it was a 30-yard catch. Right. What, what did you see in terms of getting these guys integrated into this offense so quickly? Well, I think what you really saw was them just understanding that Mahomes is always going to be looking downfield and always going to be looking to hit the play that is best for this team. And, you know, Sky Moore's catch, it was a play where I didn't think he was going to be, I think he, I thought he was going about 10 yards shorter. And I don't remember who the receiver was at the time, but Moore was open behind him. And Moore made a great play to make it a 30-yard gain. It probably should have only been, you know, 10, 15, maybe even closer to 20, but Moore made it a heck of a, uh, run in a nice j- uh, jab and off to the races he went for 30 yards and then you look at the other guys Juju just kept getting open uh, and kept making plays he had a couple of big third downs as well and MPS is the guy I think that is going to be somebody that is going to take some time to maybe get in stride with Patrick Mahomes and you have to remember we're also not talking about a draw or a missed long shot to Tyree Kill a couple of them actually early in the game and late in the game that Mahomes missed. Those are the shots we're not talking about, but he still had five TDs and 360 yards. So I think this offense is going to be good. Coming up, the Minnesota Vikings stunned the Packers in Kevin O'Connell's first game. Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today. With the NFL season kicking off, Sleeper is climbing the charts with over 4 million users. They have over 22 new features, including a new over-under game integrated right into the fantasy interface the first sports game contest built right into the fantasy experience so not only can you enter a contest via over under itself but you can also do so through their fantasy leagues matchup screen i already use sleeper for my fantasy teams you probably do too now you can play over unders right in that screen for example pick rushing yards or passing yards and then choose the amount of money that you want to enter into the contest. If you pick the over the under correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. That's not money you're going to get anywhere else. That payout is not what other platforms are offering. Plus, the built-in group chat feature lets you let your friends know about what picks you are kneeling and which ones they are not. On your mobile phone, join our listener group at sleeper.com slash locked on today and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Go to sleeper.com slash locked on today and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. The Kevin O'Connell era has gotten off to a cracking start in Minnesota. A 23-7 beatdown of the Green Bay Packers who did not come to play in week one, but you know who did? Justin Jefferson, who set a career high for receiving yards. And the Packers did this funny thing where they just decided, man, we're not going to cover him. And it was a strategy that did not pay off for them. Cotton, speaking of cotton, (laughs) Luke Braun from Lockdown Vikings. (laughs) Why am I cotton? (laughs) I don't know. We're we're just going to go with it. Uh, Luke, offensively, 
it it sort of looked like what we thought it would when Justin Jefferson said, oh, now I get why Cooper Cup is always open. He was always open on Sunday. Yeah, there was a lot of motion. That's what the Packers weren't ready for. Um, there was a lot of motion, a lot of moving him around the formation. And I, I would imagine if Joe Barry had his way, Jair Alexander would have been on Jefferson all day, no matter what. But he didn't quite feel confident enough to go full on like YOLO shadow. Like I know Alexander has done that in the past. Like the Vikings did with like Xavier Rhodes a few years ago. Um, and so that meant that it when Justin Jefferson motions from a two by two over into a three by one over on the other side, like when he's motioning across the formation, changing the weight of the formation, how many players are on each side, it changes all the rules and having to process that as well as, Hey, keep an eye on 18 was too much, especially for Quay Walker. I think they really picked on him a lot and got that matchup like a lot more than I think the Packers would have wanted. A lot of a lot of motion to test Quay Walker's eyes. Quay Walker, of course, the first round rookie the Packers used uh, in the trade that they got uh, with, for Devontae Adams with Las Vegas. Uh, their receivers did very little in this game as well. Let's talk about that Vikings defense, Luke, because they made life very difficult for Aaron Rodgers. Um, they did not stop the run particularly effectively, but it didn't matter because they harassed Aaron Rodgers all day yep. and did so without having to blitz, without having to bring extra bodies. There was some, um, but yeah, there was a lot of four-man rush, a lot of Zadarius Smith. The the petty revenge game came out the way that it's come out, I guess, for him in the past. Uh, some Daniel Hunter, a lot of penetration from Dalvin Tomlinson. I thought he had a really nice game. And I thought Harrison Phillips had a really nice game, really big role in that fourth and one goal line stop. That was such a big deal. Kind of set the tone for the whole game, I think. Um, but man, Roger's not, uh, not running around like he used to, huh? Can I bring out the W word? Well, you probably should not bring up the W word because we know. Can I bring out the W word about four hours after the Vikings beat the Packers? Listen, if you want to do it, but he's going to put it on his bulletin board at home and that's fine. Uh, But it's, I assume the W word you're talking to um, rhymes with washed. Uh, And so (laughs) if you want to bring it out, you're more than welcome to do it, Luke. I'll I'll give you the floor. No, I, I mean, he... I did. I am not used to watching him crumple into sacks. That's what really tipped me off. Like I'm used to watching him. He'll run around. He'll, he'll get sacks sometimes, but there was a number of times, like only about half the time he got pressure. Did he try to scramble, like extend the play, maybe find something, play that schoolyard ball. That's kind of been what makes Rogers Rogers. Um, but there were a lot of times where he just didn't have that. And he just like went into it and you could tell his neck was bothering him in that game. So health is going to be, something to watch, I guess, for the Packers moving forward. But for the Vikings, it was that front. The The secondary held up really well. There were some coverage sacks and coverage pressures, and I'm really excited to see on tape what it looks like. But that front was just on another level, and that's what we were hoping for when we put so much darn money into it. And and not that you need any more flowers today because, the, you know, the Vikings won the Super Bowl, but... Uh, that's three in a row. It's a dynasty. You you did call out on, on our crossover show when when you were on Lockdown Packers. We were talking about the Vikings defense, and you called out um, the play of Harrison Phillips and said he looks really good in camp, and this is going to be a guy that makes an impact. And he certainly made an impact. Mm-hmm. Not only did he make an impact on that fourth down call, but he got the pressure um, that flushed Rodgers out or helped get the pressure when he threw the interception to Harrison Smith. So um, a, a yeah. big game for him and a, a great call by by you. Yep. 
Turns out I was right about at least one thing in that show. <laughs> I was right. There were coverage busts on the Vikings, but the Packers failed to capitalize on them. Um, either by the drive stalling out later or a turnover later or something like that, or sometimes just not being able to pull the playoff or there was pressure. But I do think that the Vikings on the back end were more discombobulated than they looked. But the that's that's what pressure will do. And finally, the Washington Commanders have had a year, haven't they? Name changes, congressional hearings, investigations. It's been a laundry list. A reality TV show would die to write. Some fans notice in the gift shop, though, that the Commanders apparently have forgotten where they are from. A mug with the Commanders logo was being sold, and in the background of the logo was the state outline of, wait for it, Washington, Washington State. Last I checked, the Commanders were in D.C., is Dan Snyder trying to abscond to Spokane? Do they have do they have non-extradition there? We'll see. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, how will Russell Wilson fare against his old team? So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on sports today. <laughs>